Welcome to Our Certain Point of View, where your hosts, Jim and Tim, will bring you new weekly discussions about the Star Wars universe. Our Certain Point of View is a fan-based podcast and has no connections with Disney, Lucasfilm, or any of their subsidiaries. Hey everyone, this is Jim, and before we start the regular show, I just want to say thank you to everyone for your to continued everyone. support. Tim, what are we what are we celebrating? Earlier this week, we achieved our ten thousandth download of our yeah. episodes of our well, of our May show. 4th. Um, and we're we're actually pretty sure it's hard to see the specifics because we released already two episodes this week. This is our third. Um but we're yeah. pretty sure it happened on May fourth, which our ba- with our Bad Batch season one yeah, uh, so review that May we had our ten thousandth download. Yes. So thank um, you, everyone. Ten thousand downloads. That's huge. We're excited about that. We've. Uh, I, I mean, I'm saying we, but I'm sure Tim feels the same way. I've very okay. much enjoyed this adventure, and I look forward to many, many more episodes in the future. And Absolutely. Uh, I hope you enjoy episode 79, where we talk about Bad Batch, uh, season one, episode two. Thanks, Here everybody. It comes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to tonight's episode 79 of Our Certain Point of View. I'm Jim. Hello there. I'm Tim. And Tim has incorrectly identified today as April 30th. Sorry, Tim. It is May the 7th. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I'm looking at the show notes. Yeah, it's Friday, May 7th, and we are here today to talk about episode two of The Bad Batch. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> I'm excited. So, um, let's do our intro stuff first. We got uh, intro stuff to do. Yeah, we got uh, we got some shout outs. We're going to talk about... Uh, News? Our, our good friend and former engineer, Gordon. Um... You'll hear his voice all over the place. He's our he's our intro. He's our ad guy and well, not our ad guy, but his ad guy. <laughs> he has an ad on the show, yeah, for the rip. That's what I mean. Um So yeah. And uh always a shout out to Arden, our music master. He did it. He did it. So there we are. Those are our, I think those are our shout outs. Um, I have another you know, we shout just... out to make, actually. Cool. Go for it. All right. So as I've said uh, on the show, I'm, I do a Tuesday special now uh, with Gordon on his show, The Riff, available only on Spotify. Uh, it's a music history thing. It's called Jim's Corner. Um, this past week, I was talking about uh, folk music, kind of, uh, you know, how I grew up with it. it my, my mom loved it. And like where we see it today in bands like Mumford and Sons or, or uh, the Dead South or, or whatever. But my point is, uh, on that show, I made a reference to a Facebook group. And, um, well, they were nice enough to say, hey, we were mentioned on Jim's Corner of the Riff. I want to bring them up on this podcast It's because uh, it's a really cool idea. Uh, so you remember uh, COVID hit and pretty depressing. When, uh, especially when we really didn't know what was going on, we're just getting reports of you know these terrible things going on in Italy, and those those early days were pretty dark. Um, and so this group on Facebook, I don't know who they are, but they've gotten to be pretty huge, called Play Music on the Porch Day. 
<laughs> this was yeah. their answer to quarantine. And that's the actual name of the group. So if you go on Facebook, look up Play Music on the Porch Day. I want to give them a shout-out because, well, they gave the riff a shout-out because I mentioned them on there. Um, but it's a lot of fun, and it is really uh, just thousands of people, tens of thousands, actually, from all over the world. And, uh, yeah, it's just people going on their porch or on their patio or just some of them just sitting in their house. And they play a song. You know, they, they cover a song or they do an original. I contributed my own. Uh, I play guitar and sing a little bit. And uh, I played, a, I did a cover of a Tears for Fears song, I think. Yeah. Um, but it was a lot of fun. And at the time, I just thought it was, you know, a phenomenon. They, like, they designated a day for playing music on the porch day. Uh, but now they're turning it into a monthly event. And it is so cool because you see the most random people. Of all ages, all backgrounds, and like from you know, hundreds of different countries, it seems like, all over the world. And it's just a really neat, unifying, you know, happy, feel-good moment. Um, so I want to make sure I gave them a shout-out on this show, and I appreciate them mentioning the riff on their, uh, on their website. So, yeah, there's my news, which isn't really Star Wars related. And I know y'all came here purely for the Star Wars. And the music. Little Black Submarine Apparator, please. I'm going to do that one for my next song, Little Black Keys music. All right. We'll tune into it. Have you heard the uh, music at the closing credits? Have you you sat and listened to that? The closing credits of what? Of Bad Batch? Yeah, the the show that we're here to talk about. (laughs) I kind of went off topic. (laughs) Um, I listened to it three times and didn't pay attention to it any of those three times. Okay, it's it's nice. It's uh, it's a, uh, it's it's kind of a nice. I, mean, I I didn't listen all the way through, but I found it uh, almost relaxing. It was uh, it was a nice little. Did you fall asleep? No. <laughs> no. You know, speaking of falling asleep, Papa Bear is actually here. He's just. If you listen real closely, you can hear him snoring. Yeah, he's around. I think he's hibernating. Aw. <laughs> Papa That's Bear. Weird. Papa Bear, say um, something. Okay. Um, all right. Do we got any Star Wars related news? No. I mean, I, and I thought about it. I was like, man, how do we not have any news here to talk about? Um, and it was. Uh, yeah. We just did this twice this week already, right? So if, if you listen to us regularly, we released an episode on the uh, on the seventy minute episode, uh, which was a two hour episode for us on Tuesday, and then May just the yesterday. Oh. We released an episode on uh, on the Darth Vader comic book. So four sword comics, uh, yeah, yeah, four sword comics episode. So I, I'd say we're uh, we're pretty tapped out on on news. Um, overall, I did see uh, an exciting rumor from the least reputable source on the internet. So I'm not even going to share what the rumor was. I was like, oh man, that would be awesome. And and then I saw who the source was. And was it the I Huffington Post or the Drudge Report? <laughs> um, you notice I did so, left and right there. Yeah, uh, yeah. the least uh, reputable, the, the, the least reputable. Uh, I guess Huffington uh, nerd source, the left version of the Drudge, maybe Slate. I don't know. Be hard to say. I don't know, but it's Star Wars. I'm sorry. What Agendas. was the website? Do we want to say the name? No, I, I'm not giving that. Like as much as I want people I to understand not. that they should not believe anything they hear or read on this place, I also don't want to share their name because I don't want people googling them because I don't want them getting like it's it's intentionally misleading and false information so that people will click on their site 
and then it becomes something that people are talking about on all the social medias. They're like, oh, this is going to happen. And yeah, like, we shouldn't even say true. the name. No, we're not. I agree. Um, so anyway, I you know if this if this and every now and then they get it right because you know if every single rumor that is ever spoken you put on your site, it, some of them end up being true. Hey, that's so. how I used to make my career as a psychic. <laughs> that's it. That's it. someday um, something is going to happen to you, and it will be good or or bad. Or bad. Mm. Yeah. So uh, so Jim no, not a lot spoken. of news um, since you know yesterday, but. Well, pew pew, pew pew. Um, so that's where I, we're at. I want to plug uh, Force Lore Comics because uh, the Vader comics are—I find them really, really good. Um, and that was a lot of information we kind of talked about about Darth Vader, one of uh, you know the the best characters in Star Wars, obviously. Um, so if you want to learn more about Darth Vader, but you don't read the comics, you might want to check out this week's uh, edition of Force Lore Comics. Which yep. you'll find in our feed right before this episode. Uh, I guess that's all the news we got. Shameless self-promotion. I'm singing. I'm talking about podcasts I'm on. Um, yeah. Hello there, everybody. Hello there. Life Day Treasury is 123 days away. That's the uh, collection of short holiday stories uh, from your galaxy far, far away. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Tuesday, September 7th, that releases. So right after all the... Uh, kiddos are back in school next oh. year hopefully back to their their regular school year um oh, that'd be nice the uh this can this can be some of the some of the bedtime stories oh. um we hope yeah yeah we'll keep right. your arms and legs off uh speaking of which wookie life day is next when's wookie yeah. life day jim i have no idea Okay, well, it's November 17th. It's a Wednesday this year. It's 194 days away. I thought you said, um, what's Wookiee Life Day? No, no. <laughs> yeah, I, no. I, and I do actually know the answer to that, too. But, yeah, 194 oh, yeah. days. Uh, speaking of Mandalorians. Let's speak about Mandalorians. <laughs> I, um, I'm always speaking about Mandalorians. Yeah, the Book of cool. Boba Let's, Fett. Yeah, the Book of Boba Fett. Um, well, we don't know exactly when that's coming out. We just know it's December, so we've got it maxed at... Uh, 238 days away. That's Friday, December 31st. Of course, we expected a couple weeks before that. And speaking of Mandalorians, and uh, more specifically, speaking of Boba Fett, Boba Fett is the cover of the upcoming, not upcoming, the currently released uh, War of the Bounty Hunters Alpha, the initial prelude book to uh, the upcoming War of the Bounty Hunters cross-series for all of the uh, Marvel books. Um so that's kind of an interesting, uh, an interesting piece, um, and we'll be talking about that particular book yeah, on Wednesday, May twelfth. So that's about five days away. We can add that to the countdown there, but not really countdown. But just so you know, um, we'll be talking about that that intro to War of the Bounty Hunters, and the rest of the May books are going to be like prelude books to that War of the Bounty Hunters series that comes out in uh, in June. So. That's some exciting stuff, um, I think. I think. And then we're over a year away for what? We're over a year away from a lot of things, but I think you're talking about Star Wars Celebration. Yeah. Thursday, August 18, 2022, 468 days away. And then a whopping 959 days from the, uh, I'm going to do air quotes, official release of the movie Rogue Squadron, because... 
these movie release dates keep changing and TV show release dates keep changing. So these ones that are far away, you know, if they release an official date, we're going to talk about it here. Um, and then we'll go back and change it if we have to, like we did a lot recently, um, because they messed up, not because we messed up. So I don't even feel bad. I, I and, feel a little uh, bad. I don't feel bad. No. No. All right. Um, so let's do... Uh, you want to do the credits of the episode and... Uh, yeah, let's do our meta. So how long yeah. was this thing? This thing was... Oh, I don't know. How long was it? I didn't write that down. That uh, was 30 minutes. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was 30 minutes. I, I do remember seeing that. Well, it was 30 minutes minus the, the long... We still have the long credits on these shows, so... Um, I think it came to about 24, now that I'm remembering, because I did look at the credit length. I think yeah. that's about what it was. Speaking of credits, I like the intro credits. Uh, did you notice that when they do the masks at the beginning, these are all animated masks? We didn't mention that last week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah the masks are different. They're from the animated series, not from the movies. And beyond that, um, I actually forgot to mention this, and I'm going to do it now just because we haven't started this yet, and I already mentioned, we were already talking a little bit about Force Lore. There's something big on Force Lore that I wanted to talk about with the Darth Vader comic. Yeah. The very first issue, when you open it up, it says, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, Star Wars, Darth Vader, and then it does the words in space intro, and all of the credits for that book are at the end of the book. And every other book, including the books in that series, issues 2 through 11, and every other comic book, the credits are on that, when you open the page, they're on that front page. Uh-huh. Um, there's kind of a little, usually a little title page, but it'll give you all the credits for it. And all of the credits for issue number one of the Darth Vader series are at the very end of the book. And I think they might have done that with the Star Wars book, too, um, the first issue. And they did that as kind of a, a nod to what Lucas did when he released Star Wars and, you know, got in all that trouble for putting the credits at the end of the movie because they were going to mess up his words in space. Yeah. Um, and so they did that with the comic book too, and I just thought that was cool. And uh, that's all. So anyway, on to these credits, uh, which were also at the end of the episode. This was once again directed by Stuart Lee. He was one of the three directors from the first episode, um, but this one was all his. But we had a new writer. We did, and I want to talk about her. Yeah. Who I is she? I don't know how to pronounce her name. Gershimran <laughs> Sandu. I'm do you know it. what she's most famous for? No, I actually didn't do any research on the meta. I did so much research on the meta three days ago. Um, well, this is this is a mixed bag, I gotta tell you. Yeah, you did. You So I figured it was my turn. Um... Well, right now she's most famous for writing episode two of The Bad Batch, but if you go to her IMDb and actually her own website, uh, she wrote six episodes of a show, you might have heard of it, um, it was called, um, what was it called, Play for Seats, no, Game Game of Thrones. Oh, that's the one. Oh, yeah, have we heard of Game of Thrones? So she wrote uh, six of the episodes. She assisted with 27 episodes in total. She also wrote, like, part of a, a, the... I think it was a comedy called Get Hard with Will Ferrell. Um, something I'm not familiar with. Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. Uh, wrote a, a short for Powerpuff Girls. So that's kind of cool. Um, but the this Game of Thrones thing. Um, I don't know. Were you a fan 
Did you watch it? Yeah. We all, I think, I was a, I was kind of a fan. I had read the books. I found the books interesting. They're, they're a little too rough for me as far as the type of bad things that happen. They're, they're bad. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. I've got another series like that that I read that was. Yeah, it's so uh, I'm a sensitive man. If you've paid any attention to what we've talked about, it's it's some of the things that don't exist in Star Wars, and we're happy they don't exist in yeah, Star Wars. There's a um, level of darkness there sorry. that unfortunately is in the real world. So when I go to my imaginary world, I, I kind of prefer it's not there necessarily. But Game Absolutely. of Thrones was outstanding on so many levels. You know, it was the number one show for a long time. And then suddenly it dropped off, and a lot of people were very, very unhappy with the last two seasons of the show, essentially. This is the season she wrote. <laughs> which one? The second to last or the uh, last season? She was 2019, which I think was the last season. Um, uh, yeah, so in, if you don't know the story, George R. R. Martin wrote the series of books, uh, you know, Game of Thrones. Yeah, that's the last season. Um, and <laughs> the man would not finish it. Uh, so the show, you know, they they had given him a lead time of like four years to finish the next novel, and he never did. And he kept promising, oh, I'll finish it next year, I'll finish it next year. Never did. So the show eventually caught up to his story where he had finished writing. And he really is a gifted writer. Uh, I had read the books long before I saw the show. Um and you can tell when the show goes off script. Yeah, well, um, it starts to go off script in season two, um, but not a little too bit. bad. Yeah, but, I mean, like, it truly goes off script towards... I mean, and the stuff doesn't even make sense. Um, you know, whole, entire storylines suddenly have no point whatsoever. Um, I So, yeah, I just bring that up. This is when she took over the writing. Does this mean she's a bad writer? Probably not. It means that she was handed an impossible task. <laughs> I mean, it's like if Shakespeare writes half a play, and it's like, hey, why don't you finish this up for me? I don't care who takes over. You're going to tell there's a difference in writing here. Um, so she, yeah, did six of those episodes. So, you know, for what it's worth, that's what she's famous for. But the fact that she was hired by HBO to write six episodes for what at the time was the biggest show around, it's impressive. She has an impressive uh, resume. Um, but she wrote this episode, and I will say this about it. Out of all the Bad Batch episodes, it is my least favorite. <laughs> but there's only two. <laughs> yeah, and I love the first one. Was, first one was written by Filoni. And, and the first uh, one was Filoni. amazing. And this one's good, too. So, I'm, I'm being yeah. kind of a jerk. Um, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, you know, I, would, I, would, I would call it currently my second favorite episode. Um, there, there you go. That's my the least favorite, it. But it is my... It's my second favorite episode. Not my favorite, but it's it's up there. Um, so yeah, it was uh, written by Gerson uh, Sendu. Sendu, yeah. Um, no. Story editor was still uh, Matt uh, Miknovich, Miknovitz, no. Miknovitz, and uh, Kevin Kiner, of course, did the score. Um, and I did put an extra piece in here. So I later on, during the episode, um, I believe. It is the officer scene on the... Um, the big video hologram? Uh, uh, hologram, thank you. Yeah. Um, but it, it just says Vice Admiral Rampart. And Vice Admiral Rampart was mentioned in the credits, credited um, as Nashir Dalal. And the reason I bring that up is he also did the voice of a passenger 
on one of the transports. And the passenger's name in this uh, was Passenger, oh, and, yeah. and that's it. Where this one called him Vice Admiral Rampart, and he's the one who was like, you know, the generosity of the Empire to give you Imperial credits in exchange for your um, old useless credits and that stuff. Um, so I'm thinking this guy's going to be around again. Because they gave him a name. It didn't just say Imperial Officer. Yeah, that part had very much Rebels feelings to it. And it did feel like, yeah, he might end up becoming one of the main antagonists in this. Yeah, that was the that was kind of the feeling that I got. Um, so that was uh, that was that. Well, then and, uh, we might as well jump into our recap, right? Yeah. Well, there was a, a pineapple. Hold on, uh, it takes a second to digest a pineapple. So, yeah. All right. So, well, we figured out what pineapple means. Why don't we listen to one of our sponsors? Hey, this is Gordon from the Riff Radio Show Podcast, a radio show dedicated to the music of Generation X. We release a new show every Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and we play music from the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and we take your requests. And unlike the old days when you had to wait forever to get your request on your favorite radio show, I always put your requests on our Saturday morning all-request episode. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes of any episode and request a song. The Riff is only available on Spotify, so head on over today and subscribe. The Riff, only on Spotify. So you just heard from our good friend Gordon at The Riff, which again... Also known as The Pineapple Show. The Pineapple Show? Sure. And uh, you did. Look at you in your creative mind. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and of course, join The Riff every uh, Tuesday on Spotify to hear Jim's Corner. I hear it's amazing. I've never actually heard that. All right, so let's start the show, though. Let's start the recap. It starts, and they're uh, they're they're on an island, and uh, they, they, it's weird because we don't know. Well, how does the show start? It starts, and they're in a ship. What ship? Looks like an old uh, what do they call it? An Orion class cruiser, something like that. Uh, I, you know, I almost wrote it down, and then I didn't. Optocron, Opta... It's something like that. It's kind of like a Transformers yeah. phrase more than a Star Wars phrase. Omicron or something, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it kind of looks like a Lambda shuttle, but bigger. But either way, they're on that ship, which is the Bad Batch's ship. And they <laughs> yeah. have just fled. Remember last episode, they were fleeing Camino, weren't sure where to go, and they're like, I know a guy, and they, they, they can't remember the name of the place. But we it turns out Salu... Salukamal? Salukamai. So they go to the planet Salukamai because they know a guy. Yeah. We well, first we know see uh, we too. see Omega and Wrecker passed out in the back. Yeah. After um, having trashed the place. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they did. Yeah, they did. They're having fun. She's having. She's on an adventure. Um, so yeah, they they go to Salukamai. Saluk. Yeah. Okay. We're gonna be doing that all episode. Um, they get there. And uh, we get some Omega moments here, um, which are pretty good. Um, and I, it's it's good detail because she's grown up on Camino. Camino is an ocean planet that is constantly storming, and they've built up these, um, you know, their cities or these platforms. Yeah. Uh, to my knowledge, there's not even uh, dry ground on the planet. I mean, yeah. And what we know of the Star Wars universe is many of the planets have one biome. One singular and, uh, biome. 
and that's it. So we assume the entire planet is similar to <clears throat> what we've seen on Camino. And uh, so that's all this child knows. It knows metal floors and rain and water. And so she stepped off the ship and she found dirt. And um, it was just a nice, it, it was a cool kind of a, you know, and it was quick. It wasn't too drawn out. Um, but it was it was a good good little piece of detail, and it, it was actually nicer than her. You know, the alternative could have been like, "Well, what's this?" And be like, "Well, that's you know, obviously that's just grass." Well, what's this? Well, that's a that's a leaf. Well, what's this brown one? Well, that's a leaf that fell off the tree. Like they could have really drawn out an annoyance, and they didn't. Um, so I liked it. I did. And too. then they get to uh, then they get to a little booby trap. They do. Um, which of course Wrecker sets off, which is fitting of the character. Um, another good little piece of detail that he's the one that did it. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, and then who do we see? <sighs> well, first we see what looks like a, almost a Tuscan Raider type rifle being held by a, a purplish pink Twilight female. And we see a guy named Cuts Laquain. And we haven't seen this guy since season two, I think episode ten of the Clone Wars. Um, I love that story arc, an episode called The Deserter. And as they're yeah. making their way to this farm, by the way, um, uh, Tex says, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to meet this guy. And Echo says, he's a deserter. Can you trust him? And Tex says, we're deserters, too. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a great line. Well, th this comes from an entire episode, uh, again, I think it's season two, episode ten, of The Clone Wars called The Deserter, where Ooh, Rex is, is injured, ends up in this farmhouse. This was such a cool, creepy moment, like, weird, yeah. like, dun-dun-dun moment, um, way back in The Clone Wars, uh, where Rex was badly injured, he wakes up, he's on a table in a farmhouse, and somebody's kind of crudely passed him together, and there's these little kids in there, and one of them goes, you look just like my dad. And it's our first, ooh, <laughs> what's going on here moment. <laughs> and, of course, it turns out that their dad is a deserter, a clone who had uh, left the army and changed his name and taken on the name Cut Laquain. And um, that's whose house they're going to. Now, what I don't understand, and it did bother me the entire episode, the Bad Batch act like this guy's an old friend of theirs. As far as I know, Rex never mentions this guy to anybody. Now, other Rex, Hardcase, Jesse, and a few others uh, end up at his farm, but they don't turn him in. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure what's going on there. But, yeah, Je uh, Hunter and the Bad Batch seem to know Cut, and he seems to know them. Yeah. Get yeah, that, now, is, that is interesting. I didn't think about that. How, I've had this I mean, problem. Well, you you actually are the one who made me start thinking about this. Correct me if I'm wrong, but in Season 7 of The Clone Wars, when we're introduced to the Bad Batch, Rex seems surprised at their existence. Everyone seems surprised at their existence. Yes. Right? It's like, who are these guys hitting the scene? Now they're playing it off like everyone knows who they are. Um, Cut knows who they are. There was another scene in this episode where everybody's like, oh, yeah, that was when blah, blah, blah. They, they, they're mentioning people like, oh, we've been around. We know everybody. And I'm like, this just doesn't fit in with 
Yeah, there, there's some sort of weird familiarity that everyone seems to know who the Bad Batch are, whereas, yeah, in the Clone Wars... Yeah. Uh, Commander Gray did it in the last... Um, yeah. In the first like, episode. Uh, he's like, that's Clone Force 99! Yeah. And you're like, wait, what? There's only five of them. Yeah. That's okay. It's Task Force 99. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, there was another episode in instance in this. I think it was just... So, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, that's what it was. Uh, Hunter was talking about um, knowing Rex... They all were. Oh, no, here's what it was. Um, Wrecker knew the kids. They know right. Cut well, and, and they, his family. So they, they, and they said that. They said that they've been around Cut. Because Cut said that. He said, I haven't seen you in a while, or it's been a while since you've been here, or something like that. When he first walks up, Cut says something like that, too. So they've definitely been to Cut's house. It might have even been her that said it. Well, yeah, they know his um, wife, they know his kids, so they've, they've been to his house, I'd assume. I doubt they went on a vacation to Camino or to a battlefield. He says, it's been a while, fellas. That's what he says. It's been and a there, while, fellas. There is an interesting mention in here. Um, I'm kind of getting out of order, though. I don't know how much time we really need to spend going scene by scene because it's really pretty much just a uh, pastoral scene um of them showing like oh cut's got kind of this idyllic life in this farm and and uh omega is uh you know playing with kids for the first time she gets in a little bit of danger because she you know that wild what are they called jekus or something the cat beasts that they had in the movie attack of the clones anyway that's, that's later on that's a that's a separate scene that's but either scene. way um, um so no there's a lot well, that goes on here though there's some other stuff that comes up yeah we move past well now i forgot what i was gonna say Darn it. Uh, cut. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, do you, okay, yeah, so do you want to go into their conversation with Cut? Where do you want to go? Because that's where I'm going to yeah. bring it up. Yeah, because there were two different pieces. One was the, uh, the conversation about the inhibitor chip, which, um, you know, Tech picked up on very clearly, and Omega knew. Omega said, well, it's got to be the inhibitor chip that's, yeah, that's causing whatever, um, because Omega was paying attention to things. There's a lot of stuff um, floating around the internet about Omega, by the way, um, which I haven't clicked on any of it. Um, some rumory stuff. Um, they called them Easter eggs, but they were they were rumory. It was interesting. Um, it was interesting. You know what could have come of that was interesting. But yeah, they mentioned the inhibitor chip, um, and they do mention that Rex was just there yesterday. Yeah. Which, like he was just here. And they're like, where'd he go? And he's like, I don't know. Um, but then the, uh, the other piece, when they were talking about Omega, that's where they're at. Um, and they talk about, he says, well, she's a, she's a defective clone like us. Yeah. And, you know, Cut says the Kaminoans don't create without a purpose. Yep. We just need to find out what her purpose is. Uh, Yeah. Um, And, and Hunter blows that off by saying she's just a kid. Um, I yeah. that was the line I wanted to talk about. Uh, Hunter says she's a defective clone like us. When he says like us, I think he's including Cut in this. Um, because Cut was a deserter, and that definitely goes against what the clones are programmed to be. And not only that, but my daughter and I were as we we're watching this episode. This is a disturbing episode because when they go into town, we see the Empire. You know, they're doing the stuff that you expect stormtroopers to do. They're picking on civilians, they're pushing them around, they're being mean to them. 
but they're not stormtroopers, they're clone troopers, and we have never seen clone troopers behave this way. They were always yeah. real accommodating and, and protective of civilians, always, like on the battles on Ryloth, they would, uh, they would risk their lives to protect civilians. Um, th- yeah, they were always very super, they, they were the good guys. They were always good guys until the inhibitor chip kicks in. So the inhibitor chip does more than just cause them to kill Jedi. It it makes them into these kind of I mean these these really truly evil soldiers. Well, and that's some of the difference. So I don't you know the inhibitor chip is there to to keep them reasonably complacent with their rules and their regulations. Like the inhibitor chip, just in general. So once Order sixty six, they're, they're suddenly needlessly cruel. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. Once Order sixty six kicks in. Um, and they were ordered to kill the Jedi, and now we're under this new empire, and the empire has set the new rules. You know, some of it is good soldiers follow orders. Um, yeah, they just, so I don't know how much of it is is it programmed seems... cruelty versus versus just programmed um, uh, obedience. I, I think there there has to be an aspect of cruelty here, or if you want to go the other way, like. When it, their compassion was erased, uh, something because it's more than just killing Jedi. Because again, they're 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 hurting civilians just for fun, um, you know, pushing them around, not not killing them or anything, but they're pushing them around for no reason. Uh, they're being needlessly you know, aggressive, and it's the exact opposite of how we've always seen them. Again, where they yeah. were actually very gracious and and compassionate and protective. They're, they're exactly how we saw the stormtroopers and rebels. Yes. Exactly. Um, yeah. um, and it's, to me and my daughter, because we're such fans, like she was asking me, who's your favorite clone trooper? And I'm like, as a group, the clone troopers are probably in my top five favorite characters, period. I love the clones. Um, and my favorite specifically is probably fives. Uh, maybe Rex. It's really hard to say. But yeah. I just can't see those guys doing this stuff. And of course, Rex doesn't. And fives dives before you know it ever happens. But Cut, uh, what, what brings all this up is Cut obviously is not affected by the inhibitor chip. So not only because he's not in proximity to a Jedi, but he doesn't turn mean. He doesn't, none of that kicks in. He's the same. So that's why I think when, when, um, when Hunter says, uh, you know, she's a defective like us, he's including Cut. There's something different about Cut that has caused be- him to be a deserter. And to and, be this and, kind family man. Yeah, Nalase or Lamasu, which everyone said it in the last episode, when they said there are five remaining, um, Cut wasn't remaining. So he could have been part of the yeah, defective they, group, but just one that wasn't still. And, and yeah, and Cut says the line, you know, they don't make mistakes. So if Cut was just engineered, maybe this is just the Kaminoans saying, could we make a nice version of Jango Fett? Like, what if Jango Fett was allowed to just be a piece, a man at peace raising his family? <laughs> they could have done kind that. Of, that's kind of what Jango Fett seemed to want to be. Yeah. Um, but instead, he's this hard warrior who ends up you know, getting caught up in a war not of his choosing and dying in it. Um, now, he is... Uh... Oh, go ahead. You got more about that? Well, that's pretty much it. I'm like, uh, yeah, Cut seems like the idealized version of a Jango Fett living in a world without conflict. Yeah. 
but yeah, that's that's, it. that's that's pretty much what he's getting. Um, but he doesn't want to be there anymore because this this particular planet is is under imperial occupation. Yeah. Um, so he wants to go now. In town, we see that they're impounding all the ships. I'm going to jump back to one more thing he says in a second um, when they were back at home. But in town, they're they see them impounding ships. Yep. Um, they're they're you know tagging the ships and registering the ships through the empire. Um, they're also issuing chain codes. We've heard yeah. the chain codes before. Yeah. Um, and the chain codes are being issued, and, and Tech points it out later on that it's it's an ingenious way to really keep track of everyone. And Echo, um, I love his his response. Well, we tried so hard to get rid of our numbers, and now the people are getting them. Yep. Meaning the and they're in line like, for them. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yep. And... Uh, and, and so the reason I bring this up is now with the chain codes, obviously they need, so they need chain codes to travel. These are kind of like um, American version. Like in America, we have social security numbers. The government numbers us. Yeah. Um, so they have to have these things in order to travel, in order to pay for things. Your imperial credits are, I guess, run through your chain. It was, it's really interesting um, the way they were talking about this on this episode. But Cut needs one to get his family off-world. Um, and I had a couple of issues with what all the stuff that comes next. So if he's taking a registered transport off-world, I, I don't know how far he plans on getting to get somewhere safe. It yeah, seems... it's not clear where they're going. Well, and he said we're just going to find some small piece of land on a far-off world. That's all we need. I get that. I'm comfortable with that. Yeah. But I don't know how he's going to get there if he keeps having to go through Imperial checkpoints. Well, he now has a forged chain code, so he can get through there. Right, he can get through the Imperial checkpoint, but then the ship, he has to have a ship that's going to take him to so, some remote planet. My yeah. other issue was this. Yeah. They, this, And this is my big issue with the episode, so I'm going to share my, my big problem with the episode. And this is an overarching, like, I've got a problem with the episode. Okay. There was a whole lot of work and a whole lot of risk to get them this chain code. Yeah. Um, that may or may not have worked properly if if Tech had done something wrong. Right. Um. And he says when they're when they're at the house the first time, Hunter says, well, "Where do you want to go? We'll just take you wherever you want to go. You jump right in the ship right now, and we'll just leave." Yeah. He says, "You're wanted men. It's too risky. I can't put my kids through that." Yeah. I kind of but then they go into town and they find out that they have they need these chain codes and now yeah. we need to forge these chain codes and now they have fake chain codes and I was I'm, at this point I'm like hey the Empire says we need chain codes and that seems crazy let's all get in the ship and just leave maybe I, I thought about that too but I'm like no if they if they have an opportunity and this might be their only opportunity, to basically create what we might have called in the Soviet era forged documents, you better go ahead and take it now while this is all being set up by the Empire. Just go ahead and get those forged documents now. So I kind of get that. I, I buy into that. I'm okay with that. Um, my bigger issue was that you have uh, Hunter and Cut walking around the city patrolled by clones. Hunter's straight up wearing his bad batch uh, bandana, and he's got a face tattoo, and they're clones, and nobody recognizes them because he pulls his hat down every now and then because Cut yeah. does. But Hunter's not even wearing one. That did bother me. They literally walked 
past you know bunches of clone troopers and the clones the only at one point does a clone look at cut and say hey you kind of look like now cut has grown like sideburns and has dyed his hair and stuff but other than that he hasn't disguised his appearance well cut um, doesn't look that much different than the other clones but the the bad batch a lot of them do look yeah like tech doesn't different. look like a clone I mean, right. you can see the resemblance, but he doesn't. And and record too. But Hunter looks like a clone, just with long hair. Um, Echo definitely looks like a clone who just, you know, been on an episode of Hellraiser. Um, he's rough looking, but he looks like a clone. But anyway, yeah. So a couple things here. I don't know, but uh, I do get why they would want. Like, hey, this is this is the ground floor. If we're gonna get forged documents that are gonna last the test you know of time this is the time to get it when everything's still a little bit chaotic yeah, but they're um, not planning on being in the empire they're planning on going to some distant nothing well they might anyway. be planning on like a tatooine where the empire is kind of there kind of not um who knows where they're going but anyway yeah they go back to the uh to the house they find out they gotta get these chain codes and i love echo's response to this when hunter says can you forge them he says, well, considering I just found out about them a few minutes ago, yes. <laughs> I only learned of them a few moments... Uh, I only learned of them moments ago, but yes. <laughs> yeah, yep. that, that was awesome. Um, wait, wait, before we go on, where did we first hear about chain codes, Tim? This is some good Star Wars stuff here. Oh, we learned first learned about chain codes. Um, for most of you, I assume you first learned about them from... Uh, uh, Werner Herzog. Actually, he's not the first one that mentioned him, but um, we do have a. Actually, was it uh, Grief Cargo? So, anyways, The Mandalorian season one. Yeah. Um, episode three. I, I don't know, three? But, but yeah, season yeah the first season. Uh, it's what the bounty hunters are using to hunt people down in the Galactic Empire. Yep. yep. Oh no! I guess it had to be chapter one. It had to be chapter one, obviously. Yeah. Brief Cargo mentions it. And he, you only get the last um, four digits of the chain code. His age? Well, I guess the client says that. Yeah. But he does. He says there's no chain code. Um, well, and me and my that. daughter talked about that because she was like, "Oh, it's chain code. Grogu doesn't have one." But that's because Grogu was older than the chain codes and. Never went through the imperial system at all. Right. Yeah. So that's kind of a cool little nod to uh, to uh, the Mandalorian there, the chain codes. What about in Solo? What is it that they issue Solo when he's trying to get into the when he gets his name Han Solo? Do they give him a chain code there? Do they even say the term? I don't know, but they they definitely give him an imperial ID. Yeah. Um, which would be the same. It yeah. could be the same thing there, but, you know, who knows? Who do, I don't think they called it anything, but it would be the same thing. Um, so a, a couple of things here. Um, beyond that with uh, the other two things about Omega, I'm going to mention the other two things about Omega um, at this point and at the end of the show, um, because this show got into some... Uh, some parenting stuff, right? Like Hunter immediately went, you know, soldier on her when she was out past the fence and, and was in danger and started yelling at her. And yeah. And we kind of saw what you said before with, uh, with cut who was like, you know, Hey, it's okay. We're just glad you're safe. You know, 
and he says to Hunter, she's not a soldier. Yeah. Um, so we kind of see that, you know, makes you feel bad for any time you yelled at your kid uh, a little. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then at the very end of this episode, um, you know, she's supposed to leave the Bad Batch and she sneaks her way back into them, um, which you kind of saw coming. Um, I expected her to come back at some point. I didn't know if she'd leave this episode and then eventually be like, you know, I, I really want to travel with them and find their, find her way back to them. But she did it immediately. She came back to them um, because, you know, kids will have that that connection with essentially their, their parents. Or in this case, I guess they are technically her brothers. Um, you know, so it was cut, but and I guess they're not technically their brothers. They're essentially brothers. Is that better? I yes. <laughs> I don't know, hey, man. You know, um they're clones. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, they do yeah, it, like I said, they do show Cut Cut is a father. Um Hunter is a soldier. All the bad batch are soldiers. Yeah. Um even the even Tech who seems a little more, you know, less soldierly, he's a soldier. Yep. Um but you know what? Omega's not used to a nice warm family setting. So despite the fact that Cut is or Hunter is probably too abrupt for most children, and it does upset Omega because she is still a child, she very quickly does get over it. Um, yeah, well, I, I do. I disagree though. I don't think that she spends a lot of time with the clones in that sense. She seemed pretty. Oh, I mean, her relationship tight. with the Kaminoans. I don't think they're exactly all warm and lovey dovey. I don't know. Le- not Lamasu. Uh, Nala say. Now let's say it seemed to be protect her. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, but I, I still wouldn't say that they like I don't know, maybe maybe Nalasu or whatever does but, read her bedtime stories and all well, that but stuff. But Nalase also isn't ever going to yell at her because their That's true. Their general temperament is so soothing yeah, that it's that's, creepy. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Although so, she spent all her time watching the the, <clears throat> the, the, the clones. So she'd yeah. be used to the atmosphere, just not used to it being directed at her. But either way, it does it does rattle her. Um, and yeah, and then Hunter has to come to grips with, uh, well, I'm not really prepared to be a father. I, honestly, his solution, I think, is the correct one. Now, from a storytelling point of view, it's not necessarily the fun one, um, as far as, you know, it limits potentials on where the story can go, but it makes far more sense for Omega, a child, to go with Cut and his family. Yes. Because Cut and his wife are prepared to take care of children. They have children. We know that they're loving. We know that they're caring. We know that they will take care of her. We also know that Cut is a capable person. Um, he is a warrior, even though he's he's the gentle, you know, loving father warrior. He, he is a warrior in his own right. So it would have made sense for Omega to go with him. And that is initially what Hunter says he wants to do. Uh, of course, he doesn't tell Omega this. <laughs> so did you want to go from there? Um yeah, so our last piece here is the uh is them in the impound yard and uh Tech has a brilliant idea. And waiting in line, yeah. Um, in order to steal the chain codes, they have the ship, Tech and Echo are on the ship and they intentionally call in and get it impounded, not realizing Omega's on there with them. <laughs> 
So they do it to basically sneak inside the compound. They hide inside the ship so that they can steal the chain codes, which they do. And, of course, Tech very uh, quickly and successfully reprograms them. There's some drama here. Um, but the real problem is uh, now they've got these magnetic locks on their ship. And well, Tech I'd like override them. You, you skipped all the good echo oh, I, stuff. I have. I, I mean to go back to it. Because while okay. that's going on... Cut is supposed to be getting his kids and wife and now Omega on the transport. Is that the part I skipped? No. Oh, what did I skip? Yeah, Echo. Um, uh, well, I mean, you mentioned it, but you didn't say specifically Echo. So Echo went to uh, to actually steal the the discs and to download the data, and we actually get to see him um, accessing the Imperial network with his. With his power arm, where he drives his arm into it yeah. just like a droid, yeah, um, kind of and access superpower. that, and it's the same way that he unlocks the uh, unlocks the other piece. So everything's everything's kind of working on working on that. So just I don't think we got to see him do any of that before. Um, I don't, and I'm I'm trying to remember back to Clone. I mean, I know he did some of it in Clone Wars. No, he didn't do anything in Clone Wars, did he? Not really. With his arm thing. Yeah. He did it in the last episode where they save him. He does a lot with it. In fact, he saves. He their does. Lives okay, he does it there. Yeah. Um. So I liked seeing that. You know, giving him some, some use of his, of his abilities. Superpowers. He's like because super they, robot. Well, that's what they need to do is, you know, they're trying to find ways to, to get everyone to be able to use their powers in each episode or their 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 reason for being part of the team. Um, so we got to see that. I liked I liked his little sneaky grab and grab and go uh, moments. It probably wouldn't have been a bad idea to grab a few more discs. Just so, you know. If they could keep themselves hooded, they could they could throw a, a chain code out there and just be like, oh yeah, this is my chain code, I'm good. If they get yeah. stuck somewhere in the next, you know, whatever planet they go to next. Yeah. Um, Maybe he was worried that if too many were missing, then they would have like... Yeah, I mean, there's, there's obviously reasons not to do it, but it was just a... But, yeah. Just yeah. a thing. Um, I'll tell you what, you know what we need to do? We need to take a moment, before I forget, and take a break so that we can hear from our next sponsor. So why don't we go ahead and do that, and then we're going to come back and we're going to finish this thing off with what happened that night in the impound yard on Seleucamai. How do you pronounce the planet? Seleucamai. Seleucamai. All right, so we'll be right back after these messages. Hey everybody, I get this question a lot, so I'm going to go ahead and answer it right now. Uh, what is Sci-Fi Super Show? Well, science, it's science fiction, superheroes, some fantasy stuff. Basically contents from movies, TV, books, comic books. If you have a topic or an idea you think we should cover in the podcast, or you see something cool online you want to share with some like-minded friends, then uh, come on down to Sci-Fi Super Show on Facebook. Check us out. And we're back, and that was the Sci-Fi Super Show with Papa Bear. Papa Bear, did you want to say something about that while we're on here? Papa Bear? Oh, yeah, I thought it was great. Still snoring, I guess. He's hibernating. Good old Papa Bear. He sent us a very cryptic message saying, uh, 
not sure I can make it. Dun, yeah. dun, dun. So we hope whatever Papa Bear's up to, he's safe and sound, like a Taylor Swift song from he's the Hunger Games. playing my surprise birthday party. Aww. Okay. Anyway, we're in the impound lot. Um, Echo cannot override... In te- is it Tech or Echo or both? Cannot override the magnetic locks on the ship. And suddenly we're starting to get attention here. Uh, meanwhile, Cut is is able... He the, the chain codes work. There's a whole scene where Omega is the one who actually delivers them, and despite the fact that it's all dangerous and stuff. So we get to see Omega. You know, she's courageous. She's also really headstrong. Um, which could be bad, you know, she's running off doing stuff, and people are like, whoa, 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 don't do that, but it's too late. Uh, but she gets the job done. Um, it's when she finds out she's supposed to go with Cut, and she's upset at first, she's very upset, well, she stays upset, but she obeys. At first. <laughs> um, good soldiers follow orders. Yeah, good soldiers follow, good soldiers follow <laughs> orders. Um, anyway... So then she, uh, there, there is some significant here. Hunter is making his way back after, you know, basically saying goodbye to Cut, and he thought saying goodbye to Omega. But Omega comes back, and when yep. she's coming back, uh, a, sold, a clone trooper grabs her foot and she falls over, and Hunter basically goes into action here. Did you yeah, notice yeah. anything significant about what happens here? Other than the fact that they get into a fight. I did on my first watch. Yeah. And I went to write it down, but I forgot to write it down when I got to that scene on the second watch. I am pretty sure this is the first time they kill clones. Because the whole time they're fighting on Kamino, they are shooting blasters. They don't hit anyone. The few times they do hit people, it's it's, it's point-blank range. With um with the stun setting, but when that guy grabs um when that guy grabs uh, Omega, Hunter comes up behind him, gets him in kind of a half sleeper hold, takes his weapon and shoots and kills a clone. And the reason why I'm pretty sure that is the first time we see him actually kill, it's on the you know laser setting, not stun, is because it immediately cuts to Tech, and Tech's preferred weapons are two pistols like Rex. And Tech suddenly just raises both of his pistols and has a shocked look on his face. And the only way I can explain that is because Hunter has just killed his first clone. And then, from then on, the rest of that fight, it's to the death. Uh, they're, they're using, there's no more stun fire going on. Um, they're fighting the clones, like, full on. Um, I mean, we see Wrecker knock some guys out and stuff like that, but the rest of them, they're using lethal force. Uh, okay. So I didn't... Uh, yeah. yeah, I thought that was significant, that this is it. We've, cr- we've crossed the line now. The, the Bad Batch are killing clones now. Um, but they, uh, yeah, so Tech and Echo can't get those, those, uh, those magnetic clamps off. We've seen these before, by the way. Do you remember where? The system of impounding ships with magnetic clamps. We saw it in Rebels, didn't we? We saw it yeah, in we a saw ship it in called Rebels. Rebels they used awesome. it to, uh, to hold the Hammerhead Corvettes. And then we later saw those in the movie Rogue One. Those are the ships that drive the Star Destroyer into the ring at Scarif. So, all this is so cool. I love that Dave Filoni has just created a beautifully knit together Star Wars galaxy. Um, 
But yeah, they're like, we can't get it undone. We can't get it undone. And the hunter just says, wrecker. And he says, own it. And he goes over there and he physically grabs this huge piece of metal and just wrenches it free. <laughs> He's like, got it. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. So they get on the ship and skaboosh. They scuttle away. And they escaped him. And as far as we know, yep. Cut, we see Cut and his family get on board a shuttle and it, it, it leaves the planet. And then we see the Bad Batch get on board their ship after a big firefight and they leave the planet. But where are we going now? That's a good question. So real quick, I want to go back to what you said before about uh, about Say tech because that was a good call. Um, and because I didn't, I didn't really notice that that tech reaction there. Um, yeah. So it was it was before Omega showed up. It wasn't the clone that grabbed Omega. He did kill that clone and the two others that were with him. Because um, I just I just rewatched that little scene real quick while we were sitting here. Because I was trying to I was trying to repicture everything. But it was a it was just a few minutes before that. It was during the same battle, of course. Um, where he finally, it was when he got into a fist fight with a couple of them. The one guy still had his blaster, and he held the guy's blaster in his hand and shot another one. Yeah. Um, and and then I and then Tech's reaction was exactly that. So I agree with you. Um, I think that was I think that was the first time, and I think that that was. I think Tech knew it too. Um, yeah. We are. We're not running from them. We are at war with them. I, I think that's. That's gonna be that's gonna be huge, yeah. Um, and I'm I'd be willing to bet that that conversation might actually happen um, on the ship early on next episode. That hunter killed him. Um, these are not you know these guys are gonna talk about what's going on. They're uh, they're definitely a group to you know to not to not bury it down. Um, and there's one scene I also was forgetting as they're leaving the planet. Hunter is sitting there with Omega. And she's basically, I want to go with you. I want to be with you. And he says, "Well, you, you're one of us. You're, you're with us now." Yes. And it, it's a, it's a very touching and compelling moment. Yep. Do we if want to talk about the obvious? Be, then this is where you'll stay. Do we want to talk about the obvious problem here? I don't know if it's a problem or not. It's kind of a problem for me. How is this different from the Mandalorian and Grogu? I didn't want to bring that up. I, I was hesitant to, but I, I mean, we have to. Otherwise, it's. I thought like we you know didn't honestly, I was going to bring it up last episode, and I forgot to, because um, I took all my notes during my second watch on Tuesday, and I was going to add it in. I was like, I'll add this to my notes. I'll add this to my notes. I, so, and, oh, and I mentioned. I, see, we kind of got to it, but it was at the very end. I'm, I'm sort of hoping that she's going to age faster. And that was the reason I wanted her to age faster, like to become an adult and then have some special feature where she slows her aging so she doesn't become super old super fast. Um, But I want her to be an adult and go with them and not be a kid traveling with them like Grogu. I was actually, and it was one of the reasons I was kind of happy that she was going to go off with um, Cut and Sue. I was like, okay, she'll go be a kid. We'll see her again. But, you know, they're not going to be just caring for some kid and always having to watch out for the kid. Now, there are some blended pieces to that. Um, You know, it helps, I guess, to reach toward a younger audience. Um, Well, and my daughter... I don't really know how. You know, like 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 She's an early teen. She loves Omega. 
Who? Even though Omega's younger than her, she identifies with this character, and she loves seeing, again, another female. She loves oh, the idea daughter. of a female clone. Is that what you said? Yeah, my daughter. Okay, She's I an early yeah. teen, and uh, I'm with her on that. And I, I'm fascinated at the idea of a female Jango Fett. Uh, so that's what I was... But, well, see, while you said, uh, and I, I've got mixed feelings, because I'm with you on it would be neat to see her reach adulthood and see what powers she kind of comes into, but it kind of would be cool to see her be a female Boba Fett and see her on shows like The Mandalorian or Ahsoka or any of these other shows that are about to come out. Like, Omega means the end. And as Cut said, the uh, the the you know, Kaminoans don't do anything by accident. The first time this girl picks up a blaster, she hits a target. You know that's almost an impossible shot, and they make a point of pointing this out. Um, so there's all kinds of latent skills in this girl that I think are going to be amazing. Yeah. Like well, I, I think, think we're going to find out a lot. She is about a kill shot as we go. Yeah, or, we're going to find out for sure. That. She's like um, crosshair. Crosshair. We are gonna we are gonna find out a lot about that, and I'm I'm really glad that you mentioned that because it's something that I always want. Um, and we kind of went through this when we talked about our um, our women of Star Wars episode that we did um, a few episodes back. You know, like we kind of reached out to a few of the female Star Wars fans that we happen to know, and we're like, hey. We'd like to know your perspective on this because it is interesting to see different people's perspectives on, especially um, a, a child's or a teenager's perspective on a young female character. Um, so to hear that she is enjoying that character helps me a lot. And of course, you know, Jim and I know each other, so we know each other's kids. And uh, if if she's got a relatively positive opinion about something Star Wars, then I'm in agreement with her. <laughs> she's definitely knows her Star Wars. Um, so I'm really glad to hear that she's enjoying that character because I don't have any issues with the character. I just have the, the like you said, the elephant in the room the question, of, yeah. yeah, is this is this a rehash of Mandalorian? Yeah. Um, but, but that was my question is, are they trying to reach a different audience? And it seems from what you said that they're successfully reaching out to others in the audience because we do have... A, a really rough and tumble group of guys. Um, you know, now, could it have just stayed a show with a rough and tumble group of guys? Sure. Um, and I wouldn't have had an issue with that <laughs> at all. But, you know, I'm just some old guy sitting here at a microphone. So, hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and they want to reach other people. So they're, they're doing that. Um, yeah, I'm glad you said she likes her. That makes me like, and I didn't have any dislike for the character, but it does make me like the character more. Yeah, it's hitting their target audience. Um, yeah. and I don't dislike her either. I don't find her annoying. As a matter of fact, I'm excited at her potential. Yes, it's really, absolutely. really, really dangerous to bring a child into a show because usually they're annoying. Um, and even other children don't necessarily relate to them all that much. Um, but. For a, especially for an adult audience, it is dangerous to bring a child into a show. Now, Grogu is the obvious exception because he's more than just a child. He's the child, first of all. And well, second animated of all, shows he, are different. Yes, and, and Grogu doesn't have... talk in any normal way. He's, a, he's an alien species, so he's unlike a human child. Um, he doesn't have the drawbacks that a human character child would have. Omega potentially could have. Um... But well, yeah, some of the I, problems are we we talked about this with we've talked about this a lot 
I mean, child actors are are uh-huh. children themselves. You know, like they're learning yeah. and they're good. They're better actors than I am. Oh, but they're, shoot. It doesn't Oops. you know mean that they're they're lifelong actors. Where Michelle Ang is an adult, so the actress who's voicing this yeah. character is an adult. She's a, a long-term professional actress, you know, who can help portray this character, and it's it's not a it's it's not a weaker um, rendition of of what's going on. So um, yeah, I definitely like the character. I like to know where where she's going. I have some I have some theories. Um, I have some interest pieces, especially with the cloning and now that you know we're involved in the empire and and what's been going on. But some of it doesn't quite make sense yet. But there's there's definitely something going on with her. There's going to be something special with her. There's going to be something potentially bad with her. I think. Are we in the speculation phase of our podcast now? We are. Okay, good. Because um, I'm worried that there's going to be something. Not like you know a, a different. You know, oh, she's got to execute order eighty three, and she's going to kill the bad batch. Like it's nothing like that. Um, but what I mean is whatever, whatever she was designed. for, for or the reason I mean there's a reason that they pointed that out so severely it's I don't think it was a what is her um what is her special ability as much as it was why does she exist yeah that's a great question Um, because the bad batch exists to see if they could do it yeah and then to have them go do the crazy stuff they go do yeah. Omega wasn't built for that reason, or created for that reason. I guess is a better way. Yeah, to say. you would. Um, yeah, I, I assume that the the Republic and now the Empire doesn't realize that she's a clone, or maybe they don't have proprietary rights to Jango Fett's TNA. Um, well, so, so, that, the, so some of those questions come up: Is Nala say? Did Nala say do this on her own? Yeah. Um, or. Is there some deeper... Um, they don't do anything by mistake, Tim. Or is there some deeper Sith plot that's involved? Oh, interesting. They don't do so, anything by mistake. Right, I mean, either way, they... they you know, that statement was very specific. Yeah. We're not going to come out later on and have Kylo Ren be like, your parents are no one. She's like, I don't have parents. <laughs> um... <laughs> I know that, but but that's I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like there is a purpose, and we don't know if it is the Kaminoan purpose, if it is Sidious's purpose, if it is um, I don't know. Well, we know Yoda's he, purpose. Now I say help them escape from Kamino with Omega, right? And then she lied to the Prime Minister about it of the what's the Lama Sioux or whatever. Right. Um, so, so we, we know don't that know. Yeah, we know that Nala Se is in on whatever it is. Yeah, or but we just don't know it. what it is. Yeah, but yeah, Nala Se could be. I mean, it could it could be anything. It could be anything. So I'm I'm, th- I don't know. I don't know what I think. I just know that there's a lot of options, and yeah. I kind of like them all. So I'm not. You know. I don't want yeah, to decide. it's exciting either way. Like I said, Omega's character has so much potential that it's just I like having her on the show. Um, I the the show does seem directionless right now. 
Um, but I imagine that's going to change as they try to figure out how to survive, uh, you know, in a galactic world and as civilians. Um, so I'm guessing mercenaries. Now the trailer does hint that that's the kind of work that they're going to end up in is some sort of like, you know, contractor with all the scary connotations of the modern era of that word. Um, like con, you know, military contractors slash uh, mercenaries slash enforcers. I don't know. But it does look like they're going to run into some shady people and take up some uh, some new work. Oh, so I'm excited. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting because, like you said, they are going to have to have a purpose. Um, they can't just search for Rex because Rex is somewhere in the galaxy. Yeah, and right? the like, Ahsoka like, oh. novel is canon, right? The Ahsoka novel's canon. Yeah. Um, um, it talks so, about her and, and Rex trying to avoid the Empire in the post-Order yeah, 66 days. Right, exactly. So we and don't. We know that, that Rex ends up on some desert planet with Wolf and Grieger, Grieger. Um, so we know that. We know where he ends up. Um, oh, Gregor. Gregor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, so. Yeah. Anyway. So so the question comes up: Is it going to be? Is something going to happen to Omega? Is she going to? I don't know. Awaken some memory or have something where she's like. Oh no! I need to do this, or I need some kind of medical help, and they have to get back to, you know, like I wonder if they'll end up back on trying to get back to Nalase because something goes wrong with her. Yeah, um, that would so, provide yeah. a that would provide a, a a directive at least for a couple episodes. It would provide a directive, a location that we already know, you know, a, a sort so, of a, a battle setup that we already know and expect. Um, Crosshair still got to show up some point. I assume oh, we're going to yeah, see Crosshair yeah, yeah. again Good next point. episode because we didn't see him at all. He's our main antagonist, um, um, and we're and hoping it's also... for a redemption arc there, aren't we? Yeah, it'd Although be he, interesting they to made see. Him, they made him very unlikable. Yeah, um, I, 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 I bet that he's going to show up at um, Salukamai. Yeah, at some point, and I assume they'll show him there. It might be at the start of the next episode. Yeah. Where he's, you know, kind of one step behind him, but we know that he's starting, you know, he's he is thinking the way they think, um, and so we get an idea that he's going to catch up with them. Yep. Yep. He's a but problem. I don't know where they're going to go next. Yeah, I don't, I don't know either. Like I have, I have no idea where they're going to go from here. They're going to go to the huts, man. That's where everybody goes when they're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I think you're uh, right about we're going to see Vice Admiral Rampart again. Um, that guy seemed like a good bad guy representation of the Empire. Um, Crosshair is definitely going to be in there again. And I think you're right about Nala Sue because she definitely was the reason why they were able to escape. So she's got she's got plans going on here. As yep. uh, as uh, uh, James Clavell once said, there's schemes within schemes, am I right? Yeah, I am. Um, what? What? Obscure literary reference? Okay. Check. Um, well, I think that's it. Are we done? I think so, yeah. Alright, so the next time you're going to hear from us, next Wednesday on Force War Comics, we're going to talk about what? Bounty Hunters? War of the Bounty Hunters Alpha. Yeah, that's um, exciting. That is a one... That is a one-shot comic book. Um, now, I will say this. Uh, our local comic book store is, uh, is running a little low on them, and I oh. imagine that they're not in uh, 
because it's such a it's a unique one shot issue. So if it's not at your local comic book store, you can purchase it on the Marvel app. Again, if you purchase the physical copy, you get the physical copy plus a digital code to put yeah. it for free on your Marvel app, which is awesome, and it's the same price, so you get the physical book for the same price as buying it that way, um, and you support your local comic book store. So please do that. However, um, if you do want to go and read it, and it's not available at your local comic book store, then you know, pick it up another way. Uh, you know, there's there's a difference. You want to support. You know your local stores, but if what you need is a T-shirt and none of your local small businesses have T-shirts, then you got to go somewhere else and get a T-shirt. Um, it's yeah. is what it is. Um, but support your local comic book stores because we love them, and I'm saying it a bunch of times because for the first time ever, I didn't say it on our Force of Comics episode. Um, oh, that's true. I meant to. We talked about eleven issues of comics last time, so yeah, we did. We, we had some stuff on our minds. All right. right. That's all I got. Well, there you go. So, yeah, um, so Wednesday we'll talk about that uh, Bounty Hunters, War of the Bounty Hunters Alpha. And then next Friday, join us as we look at Episode 3, Season 1. Hopefully there'll be more than one season of The Bad Batch. Yeah, and don't Um, forget next Thursday you can tune in to uh, Tim's Corner, uh, which is a made-up name for something that doesn't exist. I just wanted to say it. Are you uh, are making some sort of a parody of Jim's Corner, which will appear next Tuesday on the Riff, only yeah, available right. on Spotify? Unlike we'll our certain point of view, which is on all platforms. That's right. Yeah, I'm actually in trouble because I promised uh, Gordon I would have that episode done by tonight, and I had forgotten until right before we started recording. It might be a late night for me. I got to do a history lesson on some aspect of rock and roll. And I got to do it tonight. All right. And I still got to edit this. It's going to be a fun night. Got a lot to look forward to. But you know what? We suffer for our art. We yeah. suffer for our art. We love art. you, everybody. Yeah, we love you. Oh, we didn't even mention, man. 10,000 downloads. We did. We did. Yeah, um, so, oh my gosh. I almost feel like we need to stop recording right now. And then do yet another, yeah, you know what, that's what we're going to do. So, by the time you're listening to this, you'll have already talked about it. So, I'm going to say goodnight right now, but Tim, don't you hang up. we got to talk, buddy. So, for now, this has been our Our certain certain point of view. I'm Jim. I'm Tim. And this is the way. Goodbye, everyone. We have spoken. We have spoken. Good night. We love you. We'll be with you. Touch anything that looks sticky. Always. Always.